Hey everyone, welcome to Punkcast. My name is William Maxwell. I'm a student of Web3 and the owner of Punk9527. CryptoPunks are 10,000 uniquely generated characters stored permanently on the Ethereum blockchain. No punk is the same. This is a show dedicated to celebrating the punks behind the punk. My hope for this podcast is that we capture the essence of the punk culture, elevate the brand and the individual behind the punk. One last thing, projects discussed on the show is not financial advice. Crypto and NFTs are a volatile and risky asset class. Please always do your own research. Other than that, let's go. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of Punkcast. Today we've got Punk8642. He's a 380 mohawk thin, rosy cheeks, and a pair of cool regular shades. He's a founder and CEO of Limited Incorporated, a curated platform that partners with iconic artists, creators, and brands to launch rare physical and digital NFT collections and experiences. Please welcome to the show, Block Culture. Block, how are you? Are you are you doxed or uh, can we can we go by block? Yeah, oh, I'm I'm fully doxed. Yeah, yeah. Daryl Kelly's my real name. Block culture. I God knows where that even came from many years ago, but it was like the idea behind. It was like 2020, I think it was when I started that, and it's like the idea of block, you know, blocks on blockchain and culture um, being a kind of combo of the two. So, uh, and at the time, I couldn't get block culture with a C, so I ended up getting. Okay. <laughs> makes sense. Makes perfect sense. But yeah, thanks for having me. Right. No, excited to have you on. Um, and uh, yeah, no, thank you for your time as well. And uh, this is, you know, looking, been looking forward to this chat. Um, maybe if you could just start off uh, with a brief introduction to yourself and your background and and what sort of got you to where you are today. Yeah, perfect. Um, okay, so I'm Daryl Kelly. I'm currently the CEO and founder of a company called uh, Limited Inc., which which you introduced. Um, I come from a more traditional background of uh, real estate, insurance, finance, um, gaming, of which uh, these are companies that my brother and I actually set up uh, in Barbados, which is where we've been based. We were born actually, and then grew up in the UK, moved back when we were both, I was 18, he was 21, and we then started working. I actually did my, I did a fine art degree, and then he started his first business as an insurance broker, and I joined him. And then we continue to build our businesses together. So um, we've been doing that for the last 25 years in Barbados. And then uh, in 2016, uh, like many people, we had one of those friends and acquaintances who was big into Bitcoin and wouldn't shut up about it. Uh, unfortunately, we ignored him for too long, um, but not forever. And I think I have said to myself, I'm going to lock myself in my apartment and not come out like long weekend and not going to come out until I understand it. And yeah, it took me a couple of days and I think I came out on Monday morning and I was like, wow, this is going to completely change the world. And for the first time, Bitcoin created digital scarcity or however you want to call it, digital property, digital assets became a thing, which is you know really what we all have to thank for what now is an NFT and what could be identified as a token on a blockchain, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, so from there, you know, doing what we were normally doing, we continued, but I, on the side, I continued to just educate myself, learn, find where I fit into the space. Um, and it was in 2020 that I launched my first blockchain related company called the Bitcoin Movement, which was uh, an, is an art and apparel platform dedicated to creating um, streetwear and art 
with brands and artists focused on the brand of Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is a decentralized brand. Anyone can do anything they like with it. It's kind of that first concept of decentralized brand building. Um, and so, yeah, we, we work with known artists and, uh, and groups to create interesting campaigns because at the time, much like, not, I wouldn't say today, but much like, let's say, a year ago in NFT space, um, the merch and the kind of the, the, the products that were coming out were pretty cheesy and pretty bad, to be honest with you. So me being a Bitcoiner, and I, I will say admit I was a Bitcoin maxi for a long time, and I kind of, you know, that's what brought me into the space, and I'm still a big believer in Bitcoin as an asset and as a truly decentralized blockchain. Um, so, yeah, we wanted, so I wanted clothing and kind of hoodies and stuff that I could wear and that was actually something I'd put on instead of like Bitcoin billionaire boys and all this kind of stuff that was, you know, pretty, the only thing out there. Um, anyway, so, yeah, we we started like that and then it was under that company. Uh, we were one of the world, world's first companies back in 2020 to connect a streetwear collection to the blockchain via NFC technology. And we did that with the UK wrapper. We did 300 pieces, hats, hoodies, T-shirts. We infused the products with NFC chips and then built our own phone app and then launched it. We, uh, the collectors who got the garments, they took out the app and they received it. They scanned it and they got basically proof of authenticity. They got to know the, you know, the edition number that they owned and the um, exclusive content that was created by us and the creator embedded into the product that kind of really offered a much more interactive and elevated product experience and so yeah it was that that uh, really led us to launch the limiting platform that we have today um, which we launched in february we spent another two years after that first project building on top of that tech and creating a platform that focused on physical digital nfts so while 99 percent of the market has been focused on digital only nfts and drops and tech we've really been building for 24 months that connection and, and trying to build something that allowed you know web3 brands web2 brands step into the web3 space in a kind of thoughtful way with tangible products so yeah that's kind of where we are today that's that was my segue into the space and uh yeah excited to be here no that's super super fascinating background and there's a lot of things to sort of unpack there but um i'm, I'm just sort of curious in terms of what made you lock yourself away for a whole long weekend uh, yeah. to get your head around bitcoin i see um, how slow i am or, or how complicated <laughs> bitcoin is it was quite but you know back then it was the literature and it was still really misunderstood and i think it still is today you know people don't really get bitcoin as a as an asset they still think it's this dark web kind of product you know but um, yeah sorry that's that's why <laughs> I really, really, really wanted to understand it. And I think everybody who gets in this space should have an education about Bitcoin. You need to, Absolutely. you should really understand what that, what it did, how it did it, when it did it. Um, you know, and, and that kind of all segues into why we're all here today talking about NFTs and the, the term Web3, you know, nothing, nothing would exist if it wasn't for Bitcoin. Absolutely. And, and just out of curiosity, were you still based in Barbados when Bitcoin yeah. was there or? So, yeah. uh, and, and what was the vibe like in Barbados? Because uh, were they sort of exposed to a lot of Bitcoin people and community there? Yeah, pretty decent um, crowd, actually. Um, there's a decent community for Bitcoin. Crypto was quite popular. Um, we were surrounded by a few people who ended up really, like today, being very, very big in Bitcoin. Like, you know, Roger Verz, all the, all the kind of big names all came to Barbados quite a lot. 
there was a couple of like Gabriel Bed is one of the big personalities in Bitcoin, and he's one of he's the guy I was talking about who was always talking about Bitcoin to us. Mm. Um, so yeah, we knew him very well, and that was his number two. That was my ended up being my brother's wife's brother. So it was like we quite a small community there. So we all quite we knew each other quite well. So um, yeah, I'm not sure why exactly it had such a big presence there, but it was thankfully you know a big part of our lives. Uh, once we understood it and really, you know, took it into our life, it, it really uh, became big. Awesome. And um, and you're you're based in Paris now as well, right? So, yeah. just just out of curiosity, what what's the what's the vibe like in Paris for crypto and NFTs? Well, it is good. Um, I haven't managed to connect too much with too many people yet. Again, I think the language barrier probably uh, stops that a little bit, but um there's definitely a scene here i see it happening and um i've been a, i've been more infused in the board eight crowd than i have in the punk crowd i only made that transition quite recently and i know that the board eight i went to nft paris and i went into the board ape uh, booth that they had there and i you know had some beers with the guys and got a poab and all that kind of stuff and it's pretty cool nice vibe um i'm heading over to there's an nft gallery which is opened in april um uh, but honestly i've had my head down building limited ink and we only went live in february and up until then and past up until just now it's just been you know really hectic so i haven't had a lot of time to really get too much into it but i intend to now no i uh well hopefully you can change the punk vibes in paris at some stage and uh, get a bit more punk activity going on there yeah um and just just going back to I guess your your Bitcoin journey, um, I think you sort of mentioned that you were sort of a, a Bitcoin maxi at one stage as well. And you know, at what point did you, uh, I guess, transition off that and find your way, I guess, into Ethereum? Um, what was that journey like? Yeah. Yeah. So I okay, Bitcoin maxi is a strong term. Now I'm I was and I am a huge believer in Bitcoin, and I don't think that will change. As long as they keep the protocol the way it is and they don't extend the block size and all this kind of stuff, you know, it doesn't turn into Bitcoin cash, but stays pure to what it is. I'll always be a fan and a supporter and a holder. What I, why I was attracted to Ethereum is because Bitcoin is Bitcoin and it's, it's only good while it is what it is. You know, if you start playing with the mechanics of it, it will no longer be the store of value that it should be. And Bitcoin should only be, in my opinion, at least that, you know, the strongest the hardest money known to man, just that's what it is, you know, hardest form of money that has its purpose. And that will become a store of value for, I believe, you know, up to government level um, countries will be using it as a store of value as part of their reserve currency. That's its power. Ethereum. Now, when Vitalik looked at Bitcoin and said, well, this is great, but actually you can do a lot more. And he said, OK, I want to turn this into a programmable money programmable blockchain and then he took that to the next level so ethereum is now sort of you know the internet of money and the next stage of the internet so interactive much more sort of um, flexible and you can do just a lot more with it and with what he's done and what the whole community have built on top of ethereum was just really interesting and creative and you know that kind of got me going for my creative energy and i thought wow there's so much going on here um, and then the final one was learning about the ERC721 token and essentially the creator's shares. And when I saw that, I was like, mm. this is going to completely, kind of like a Bitcoin moment for me. Like, wow, 
you're telling me that artists can be rewarded uh, a creator's share on every secondary sale in perpetuity. Like, that's insane. And that's going to be not just empowering artists and change that world, but it's going to change the entire, like, so many business models that we all are used to using, like subscription models, ticketing, like everything is going to change because of this this tech. Um, and yeah, so that was the kind of final straw. So it was, you know, it was, it was early on when I realized how what, what was happening so, there. So how, was, just, just, just out of curiosity, how early was that? Like when did you sort of dabble in Ethereum? And So I was already doing it in late 2019 and okay. 2020. So while I was still launching that collection with the wrapper on the Bitcoin brand, I was also yeah. investigating everything going on in Ethereum. I, was, I had already minted NFTs. I minted my first NFT in March 2020, and I got it wrong because I was trying to, I was trying to build, a, I was trying to mint NFTs on Bitcoin and realized it wasn't possible. And there is a program called Counterparty and XCP is a token, and you can do it. And I did do it, but I. I needed more like programming knowledge beyond my knowledge, but I did manage to mint it, but I didn't manage to connect the image to it. So I've got these NFTs that I did in 2020 that are nothing, but at least they're kind of a symbol of my presence at least. Um, what, what, what was it? What, what was it that you tried minting on, on Bitcoin? So I'm actually an artist. So I tried to mint one of my own pieces. Um, ah, I do I these pop cool. pineapples that are kind of graphically merged gra graffiti with pineapples back to my Caribbean days. And uh, I couldn't get the image <laughs> to connect, so they're just blank, <laughs> blank NFTs. Cool. Um, and, and yeah. And what was your um, first NFT that you minted on Ethereum? First NFT I minted was by an artist called Lambo, an Aussie artist actually, uh, or Rareable. Uh, again, that was pretty much the same kind of time. Then I started looking at NFTs and you know i was so focused on building a digital physical connection with limited ink i had lost sight of this entire digital only ecosystem that was booming and um the power of it more so like i knew it was there and i knew it was this, this sort of community that was growing but i'd stepped so far back and had my head so deep into the tech we were building i kind of ignored the whole boom really and then i kind of after buying that I and that was a one of one, so I kind of bought my first one of one, and then thought, oh, cool, I'll have an asset now. But I didn't think much about it. And then it wasn't until July 2020, I kind of, it, you know, really was like, well, if I'm building this app, this platform, I need to really understand the digital asset mm. world. And I started, I did my own deep dive then. That was March, April 2020. By July, I bought my first cool cat. Then I bought my first, like, literally within days, then I bought my first world of women. And then within days, I bought my first board ape. And then within days, I bought my second board eight. And then from there, I was just like, wow. And I caught it as well. There was a lot of hype going on. And I caught it just before everything really kind of shot off in the board eight world, at least. Yeah. And then, and I was hooked. And then I was, then I was hooked in the terms of like, I love the digital asset world and collecting, building a collection of your own, but also just now like the community and this whole world is going to again change, you know, collecting and, what NFTs bring to the table is just incredible. Absolutely. And and so maybe let's unpack a little bit about what you're doing with uh, Limited Incorporated. Like um, what sort of inspired you to get started with with that sort of business? Yeah. Um, 
again, I think it, that comes back to Bitcoin and kind of this understanding of digital assets being a thing and how you can represent something physical on the blockchain through a digital token. Um, you know, in 2020, that was that's still quite a new concept. It still is a new concept today, really, because, of, you know, you're only seeing brands like, you know, Nike and Artifact. They did an NFC infused hoodie a couple of months ago. Um, G Money's done his own NFC infused T-shirts. Um, so we're still relatively early in the grand scheme of how this tech is going to affect, you know, culture and um, let's say streetwear and art and all this other stuff. But I believe it's going to completely evolve and and mm. you know change the way that people interact with their clothing, for example. So yeah, just that ability to provide proof of authenticity of a physical product on the blockchain was a really powerful concept to me and something I just did a deep dive on and realized there wasn't a lot or anyone really doing it in a very um, in-depth way and thoughtful way. So we built the whole tech from the ground up from scratch. We built our own platform, we built our own app that makes it very easy and very uh, convenient and smooth to you know, look at your NFT, look at your, you know, scan your physical piece, access all this really exciting content that can be embedded on the on the chip. Um, so yeah, we spent eighteen months building that. Sorry, go on. Yeah, so, so so maybe if you can just help everybody understand what um, uh, Limited Incorporated actually is. Yeah, okay, so some of the example products. Perfect. Okay, so yeah, Limited Inc is a is a highly curated. NFT platform that partners with top tier brands, artists, and creators. Um, we specialize in connecting physical products to the blockchain by NFTs. Um, they're referred to, you know, commonly, I think, in the space as digitals, even though we and I think pretty much everyone else hates that term. So whoever comes up with the real, yeah, <laughs> hey, exactly. Nick Carter's got a good one. He calls them full stack. You know, he's got quite a big, big uh, presence in that space, G Money. There's a few terms kicking about and hopefully one of them <laughs> connects rather than digitals. Um, so yeah, we we basically, we work in kind of three ways. We work to create, launch and sell uh, physical plus digital collections with um, brands, artists and creators. Um, we take an agency style position. So we like to walk our clients and hold their hands through the entire process. So we do conceptualization and you know look at their existing IP and you know, what IP they may need to build in order to launch something. We do the physical plus digital creation of assets. So we have through our investors, we have the ability to fabricate and create any kind of bespoke product. Um, Waxman PR is our PR firm. And they actually, when we were doing our pitch to them to represent us, um, they're, the founder of Waxman PR actually was invited on the call and said, you need to come and see these guys. And ends up he ends up investing in us, uh, so he's now one of our shareholders. So we have a really good support system from a PR point of view. And then, yes, yeah, sorry. No, no, no. Keep going. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and then so that's that's kind of the first step of what we do. The second one is to provide collectors with the ability to verify the authenticity of physical products and exclusive and access exclusive content. So apply that tech to art or streetwear or luxury goods. And that becomes a really powerful um, mechanism for collectors. Uh, and when you can truly sort of turn physical components like that into a store of value, that becomes a really valuable, um, I'd say, mechanism for brands and artists. And so through our tech, that's pretty much one of the big sort of things that we do. 
And then the third one is to create a trusted marketplace facilitating the secondary sales of these authenticated physical goods. So, um, you know, trying to solve that kind of big black market problem of luxury goods, for example. Now, if Louis Vuitton or whoever that brand might be, or an artist apply the technology to their work or to their handbags or to their luxury goods um, using a platform like ours. I mean, if you take, let's take Nike, for example, in the StockX model, um, you know, Nike launched these capsule collections of their train trainers. They sell for, let's say, $1,000, but on the secondary market, they're now selling for $4,000. Um, now, Nike are not connected to the resale value of those trainers. They're completely removed, so they never get any of, they never capture any of that value. With our technology, Nike launched it on Limited Inc. Um, they sell those in the primary market. They sell them for $1,000. That's great. Sell out within minutes. Um, now, when those trainers sell for $4,000 in the secondary market, Nike are getting a 10% cut of every time that trainer changes hands. They're getting a, you know, based on the Ethereum, that, that, the NFT that changes hands, they're getting a cut from that on the royalties. That's cool. And, so, and how, how are you thinking about custody uh, in that respect? Is, like, for example, would Nike manage the physicals and then just whenever it's redeemed, they just send it out? Or do you sort of yeah. manage that internally? Yeah, well, we can manage it. We have done for certain clients, but I imagine someone like Nike, who has all of their own manufacturing processes and um, you know structure put in place, we would then simply provide them with the text. Got it. And, and so basically, okay. it's a, a primary launch pad with a secondary trading element. Um, exactly. but in terms of custody, it's mostly handled by the brand itself. Yeah, and I yes. had, had a look at uh, had a look Unless at some of the stuff you did with. Yeah. Definitely, I could sort of see um, that that that's much needed. Um, but I saw you did a pretty cool drop with um, Dead Fellas and Wrangler um, as mm. well. So uh, yeah, that was um, super cool. Cool. And um, all right. And and uh, are you working with any other particular brands at the moment, or um, in the pipeline? Or you just, uh... Yeah, we did Wrangler, Leon Bridges, Wrangler. We paired Wrangler with. Um... With dead fellas and did what we called undead denim put 20 vintage took 20 vintage jeans out of the wrangler archive and put chips in them uh, and then bound them to nfc and connected them to the to a comic book that was created by dead fellas that was pretty cool um Shimodu, who's a world famous um, photographer um so we launched one of the world's first physically uh, NFC infused physical photography collections. So again, providing royalties back to the Chimodu estate on the sales, uh, on the secondary sales of physical art, which I don't think it's really ever been done in the traditional art world. So we're kind of trying to disrupt that space as well. Um, and then looking ahead, you've got, I think because of our tangible element, we get quite a lot of, we get approached by big traditional brands. So we've had some pretty big conversations with traditional fashion brands um luxury products they're looking to kind of step step in a bit in a kind of not in a big way because everyone i think at the moment is a bit cautious with the bear market but certainly exploring opportunities and luckily what we do is we don't we're not here trying to tell everyone to jump in here and do a ten thousand pfp collection but rather you know step in thoughtfully carefully know your market know your audience and try and pair them with a, a native web3 brand already has an existing community for example and really try and pair them well so that there's an actual that's, uh, kind of, you know happy response that's really that's really cool um because yeah i mean i mean I, I definitely do see a lot of web2 companies coming in i think they hear buzzwords web3 nft 
And I think they approach it top down, but not really getting the underlying cultural elements that's really important and critical to actually launch a successful um, Web3 product. Big time. Yeah, it's a big miss, I think, a lot of time. Absolutely. And I sort of notice every every morning in your good morning tweets, you're always you're always finishing off with invest in culture. Maybe if you elaborate what you sort of mean by that, mm. and because you know culture and web three definitely go hand in hand, but what does it sort of mean for you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so I had when I first so when I bought the domain for Bitcoin Movement, which was in 2019, I bought the domain for Limited Inc. as well. So I kind of already had this vision to create this platform that allowed collectors to really connect with creators through what at that time was kind of like you know art on the blockchain. And so NFTs for me are one of the most powerful mechanisms for creator and audience or fan and um creator to kind of connect so you're kind of cutting out the middleman you're allowing both to connect with each other directly and so investing in culture really meant like you know if you're an artist you are the creator of culture if you're a fashion designer if you're a um you know any kind of creator you are essentially carving out and pioneering today's cultural culture of the future and so nfts are just kind of little pieces of that so when you invest in it, you're taking a chunk and you're saying to the person, I I believe in you, I'm investing in you, and I want that. And that NFT you get back is the token of ownership, it's the piece of art, it is the culture. Uh, and I suppose Absolutely. that's what where that comes from. I don't know if explained clearly, but that's what I mean. <laughs> no, I think it's uh, it's full of it, right? And I think you, you've picked a spot where fashion... Um, is culture it's a form of self-identity as well mm. identity is a really big social signaling element of what culture is right so um yeah no, totally I think it. like wrangler wrangler said it really well uh they we worked with sean gormley who's the, the creative director there he's a real pioneer himself and he his their, their ethos at wrangler is to um give people the confidence to step into new frontiers thrive in new frontiers and that's kind of why we all got together with Wrangler because they had this. They also had this vision of what the web, of just web free, the metaverse, NFTs being the next frontier. And that was kind of you know, the culture just is is so vibrant in this space. I think it's it's where everything is happening right now. Like I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than trying to carve out some form of creative space in in the kind of web three space. No, oh, absolutely. And then, um, mate, so. so- Maybe just moving back to the conversation to CryptoPunks then. Um, so so when did you actually buy your CryptoPunk? It was pretty recent, right? I think. Literally like two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I think it was like three Fresh. days after I had my firstborn child. <laughs> so I was like very, very tired. I've been scouring, I think like most people, when they're going to do something like this, I've been looking at the CryptoPunks.app page for weeks, uh, months, years. I mean, I've really since I sort of found them, always been looking at them. And yeah, I think I took the plunge, yeah, two or three weeks ago. So maybe let's walk walk through, I guess, your decision-making process here. I think you've got, so um, it's a three attribute, uh, a thin mohawk, regular shades and rosy cheeks. Um, he, he looks like a really cool dude that carries mm. a lot of culture, but um, of all the punks that you you could have chosen, like what did you what did you hone in on this, this one? Um... Yeah, I think I was really scouring. I couldn't find one that really had the 
punk feel that I was looking for. Like when I was going to buy a punk, I wanted it to be the punkiest punk I could find. And I and I'm sure there are other punkier punk out, punks out there, but you know, given the time frame and you know chance of it happening while I was looking, um, this one just popped up, and I I put offers in. I wasn't like low low balling people, excuse me, but I was like I was definitely um, I was definitely putting offers in and trying to get a good deal on them because the floor was fluctuating. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love the mohawk, so I knew whatever one I did buy, I wanted it to have a mohawk. And um, luckily, no one really accepted my offers. And then this one popped up. It was 3 a.m. I'd just done a call with Deadfellas and Wrangler and Betty. We'd just done a, a Twitter show. And because they're in Australia, it was 3 a.m. my time. I'm in Europe. And the baby was asleep. Everything was quiet. And I said, okay, well, I'll have another peek at uh, the crypto pub. Uh, and literally just saw this one for the first time. It, Whoever was the owner before put it on. It couldn't have been on for more than a few hours. And I was like, wow, okay, this is super cool. It's 75 ETH. I was like, that's basically the budget I was planning. Um, and I took it off. I oh, know I made an offer of 70 immediately. <laughs> that was it. And then I think I waited about six minutes and then I bought it <laughs> for its full price. I literally, I have no patience when I find something I really want or that I thought was good value because I did a quick rarity tool check and realized that rosy cheeks is actually a really rare trait. It's like 124 pumps. It's like a 12th, 12th rare trait. So I was like, wow, okay, well, uh, you know, either he's just looking for liquidity quickly. And I believe other people were all, you know, cause it's a busy space. People do take them off the floor. They're a good deal. And I thought someone's going to snipe this if I don't. So I did it. Yeah. And I haven't been, I've been happy ever since. I love it. Beautiful. No, he's he's a super cool punk, and um, and I guess just out of curiosity, like what 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 made you, I guess, interested in punks? You know, you said you were looking at the at, at looking at a punk for quite some time, um, but I guess what sort of stirred your interest? Because I know you were on Board Apes and some other projects as well. Yeah, um, but, well, I suppose crypto punks are what started it all at a very basic level. You know, they'll go down in history or have gone down in history as the spark that inspired even the Board Ape. Yacht Club collection and every other kind of 10k project. So punks are the most blue chip. If you can say anything's blue chip in this space, but if if you can, then punks are definitely as blue chip as they get. And I think they are a safe haven, probably one of the kind of purest store of value in this very early NFT space. And I think they'll be remembered forever and have probably secured themselves their position on the art history timeline. So you know, there's some. significant points in art history where there's a moment and things just change forever there's a new movement whatever that might be and i think nfts are a turning point into like a digital renaissance that we're probably entering you know big paradigm shift in the way that art will be created will be collected um and so yeah i believe at this point as we head into a more digital world and there's Digital assets are now a thing because of Bitcoin and because NFTs and the yeah, metaverse and digital ownership will become part of life. They're just they're just such a significant part of that, and they kind of sparked that first step. So I think holding one is a you know got to be something that people will want to do in five, ten, fifteen years when it's all more understood. Absolutely. And uh, what, so, what were you rocking as your uh, profile picture before the punk? Uh, my my board ape. My holy grail of, of apes. I got. A, I went through a couple of apes when I first bought one. I bought my first ape at eight Ethereum, and then my second at eighteen. 
and then traded up again and bought my the one I have now. So he's like a devil with horns, and uh, he's a, nice. a merge ape. He's got a board, he's got a board ape t shirt, which I always like the thought of because you can use the brand in your own merchandise if you've got an ape that's branded. So for me, it was all about the IP. That's why I didn't buy a punk originally because they didn't give the IP to the owners. Oh, and that's why I transitioned into punks now because you could bought them and have given the IP to the to the NFT owners. Because I probably wouldn't have still bought a punk had they not done that. Oh, interesting. Um, no, it's a, it's a it's a nice uh, ape you've got as well. I've um, I've got a similar ape with uh, horns as well. Nice, um, mate. And, and I'm just looking. I've got your uh, OpenSea wallet open. You've got a lot of interesting stuff in in the bag. Um, just throwing out the question for you. I mean, what do you what do you like collecting the most? And more importantly, why why do you collect? Um, okay, so what do I collect and why? Um, originally, I I suppose I did it because. I was investigating the space and trying to understand it all. Um, I then quickly got sucked into the culture of it and the community of, let's say, the board apes, which is where I spent most of my time. I had two apes. I've got I've sold one. I've got the punk. I've got one ape now. I've got two mutants, one coder, seven plots of other side, um, one cool cat, one world of women, um, one or alter uh, one. Uh, chromey squiggle which i absolutely love two curio cards a pixel map like i love the relics and the kind of the ones that started it as well uh, i've got a ferocious dead fellas bomb squad subet and recently i've gone more into like supporting i suppose now that i've kind of i feel like i've got my pfp nfts covered if you like and i'm, I'm trying to get more into the actual art side of it which is what would have originally brought me here and so people like Guido are really making waves in the space. Like I love his project he did with Sicilian Kiss, where he did a free min and he ended up so with who 14, that? Uh Guido, Guido de Sal. Guido, okay, yep. Yeah, he did okay. a project and he kind of was one of the first, or probably the first, to do a free min in that style. And he did a he got fourteen thousand collect collectors overnight almost, and they just paid the gas fee. And the project's called the Sicilian Kiss, and it was just a really impressive wave. Uh, for like a an artist to kind of build a digital community really effectively and kind of give back you know art to people and for many people it was the first piece of art they owned it was the first nft they owned and all they had to pay was the gas fee they didn't have to pay for the art itself so, so that's a photography project right guido's a photographer yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Um, um, I, i've never i've never been able to keep my head around photography nfts um because i think you know, in my mind, you know, you can sort of think about gen art, um, algo-driven, you know, co-creation, etc. And I think mm -hmm. for me, for longest time, photography feels um, a little bit uh, low. If it's not the word, but I think it just feels a little bit um, different in the sense that you know you can just snap, shoot, and then mint, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I just didn't get that sort of connection with it. But uh, I guess what do you, what do you sort of see in photography uh, NFTs? I mean, I, I see one that you've got in a uh, red elegance. I mean, th these ones are really, really nice, man. These are really cool. Uh, oh, that's my Elliot. Frank, uh, Frank Beauport, French, yeah. French uh, photographer. Um, I think it's going to be huge. I think it's hugely underrated because of the, exactly the reasons you just said. People believe it's, you know, low effort, mint, and, you know, hope people come across it. But 
it comes back to digital assets and people really truly and again i think that's wildly misunderstood still the power of owning a digital asset and that being enough um and you know i say that while i'm also building a platform to make that physical but i do i'm such a big believer in digital assets and the ability for people you know digital natives to just hold digital assets in their collection and enjoy them as digital only assets and so photography is kind of almost a natural progression for people to turn their visual images into nfts as photographs so i think they're going to be huge yeah and they i like collecting them i've got chamodi's work which we launched and i buy um guido which we also done worked with we turned his collection into a physical collection uh, we did a 50 piece limited edition collection of his sicilian kiss um so yeah i think people should keep their eye out for really you know dedicated artists who are not just literally going outside taking pictures with their phone then minting them on open scene hoping people buy them as photographs but rather find real photographers find real artists look at their history look at i mean the guy frank who i bought he's a seasoned exhibitioner you know he's a he's a real artist he's traveling around the world he's taking actual beautiful you know really well thought out photographs and he's put them on OpenSea for like 0 0.2 ethereum that is yeah. insane no, his, his prints that you can buy on these platforms where they just print out a, you know a, a, a not limited edition but rather an open edition let's say just like a poster they sell for 75 dollars mm. so i bought an original one of one from him as an nft for the same price but i get to own that one of one so like there are so mm. many opportunities out there to, to work with artists like that no it's a it's a beautiful collection it's got that um sort of afternoon hue uh mm. and sort of classic classic sort of feel from nostalgic feel to it um just really nostalgic beautiful. yeah i'm a sucker for the, yeah. the neons so as soon as i saw yeah. it i was like oh <laughs> awesome and then and then uh, when you reflect on i guess your nft sort of career to date um do any sort of wins uh or or special moments pop up in your mind uh like as in collecting like my own collecting bought, learnings or? insights yeah um so i suppose getting in early on board apes would be one as a lucky moment you know it actually happened because I was trying to, I was going to buy a board ape and put 50 Ethereum aside. Um, I had chosen the one I wanted. And when I woke up the next day, I didn't pull the trigger because it was, it was really volatile. Woke up the next day and it was the day that, I forget who it is now, a collector had cleared the floor of 80 or 74 punks. That's what it was. And overnight, punks had become out of my reach, basically. I wasn't willing to spend more than that at the time. And so I pivoted directly into board apes. And luckily for me, that was the right move at that time. So I would consider myself quite lucky. And, you know, a lot of it was chance. A lot of it was also me watching the market and and waiting and trying to, you know, attempting to take the right move uh, or to pull the trigger. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like that was the start of it all, really. And from there, I've always been a bit cautious. I've certainly had losses. Oh, my God, I bought some utter crap along the way like most people <laughs> um i've been rugged i think i forget the name of that project boneheads was it i don't know i don't <laughs> want to speak badly about anyone either but maybe maybe they're still doing things and it's just tough it's, it's, it's a tough market out there so i don't want to be like you know they rugged me but i haven't seen a lot come out of their twitter and i don't know <laughs> but yeah, yeah that was probably 
one that I could have just watched Monday down the toilet. Board Apes Apes was huge, right? I think um, it was like... So I think it surpassed everybody's uh, expectations in terms of what they were able to do, which is really, uh, really cool. It's amazing what they've done. What they've like, they just taught the entire world how to share the wealth, give back, you know, treat your holders like shareholders, not customers. And I think they'll, they'll be studied in, you know, school for years to come. Well, I think in some ways they, they pioneered, I guess, the the concept of utility, right? Yeah. Um, airdrops and all those other bits and pieces which is a really fascinating and interesting way to unlock value for for your holders. Um, And then when do you have any sort of big insights or lessons in NFTs that uh, you sort of uncovered for yourself like there was a special moment or? Um, I would say NFTs I suppose is a simple rule buy what you like you know don't try and chase gains or I mean, unless you're, you know, DJs will be DJs and people are here just to speculate and flip. If you're doing that, go for it. That's part of the market as well. But if you're here to collect and take it slow and build a thoughtful collection, um, do your research, go back in time, see why things became valuable, what made them, what, what made the community strong, and then buy with your heart, like, you know, buy a collection because you want to have a collection, not because you're trying to make money from it. And, and chances are, you'll do well from it if you're buying things you like. Um, From a crypto point of view, because that's really where I've come from before NFTs, I would say buy as much as you can. Like, you know, hard assets are out of the reach of young people today. You can't buy. It's very hard to get on the property ladder. You know, it's very hard to get assets in your hand because it's, it's, everything's just so expensive. So crypto is kind of like this generation's opportunity to, to create, a portfolio of hard assets. So buy Bitcoin, buy Ethereum, buy quality NFTs. If you can get your hands on CryptoPunks, Bored Apes, Fidenzas, Autoglyphs, I don't know, they're all up there and way expensive, but fractionalize them, like do what, do what you can to build a portfolio of these hard assets because that's our, that's today's version of, you know, our parents' property they were buying when they were 20 to 40 or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. And uh, when you when you look out into the crypto Twitter space, um, who's your favorite punk personality that you like coming across? Favorite punk personality. So I'm still kind of getting in tune with the punk uh, community and, and who's who. But I would say like Gary V has been someone I've aligned with from a lot of his kind of points of views. He's really positive influence on the space and on young people in general. He's got a really good kind of outlook and he's very energetic and i think he's really positive and he, he while he doesn't have a punk as his profile picture he, he has plenty of punks um i would say bobby hundreds is awesome what he's doing i know he's a punk holder and big sport of what he's doing he did with the hundreds doing with the hundreds doing adam bomb squad and then i think like 6529 is a, obviously just a legend out there keep doing what he's doing he brings a lot of values mm-hmm. knowledge to the space i follow, awesome. follow all the and uh, if you were to describe punk culture in a few words, um, how would you describe how would you describe them? Punk culture in a few words. Um, wow, uh, original, disruptive, uh, creative, and uh, just long term. Like if you get one, diamond hand it because it's it's part of history. Awesome. 
Mate, and I know these are pretty heavy questions for somebody that's just uh, been a punk owner for a few days, uh, for a few weeks, <laughs> um, but it's worthwhile asking. And then if you, could if you could pass on a message uh, to the next owner of your punk, what would you like to say to them? To the next owner of my punk? Uh, give it back, you thief. Because I'm not selling. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, I'm not selling this one. I mean, if I, I yeah, maybe if I trade it up to another one, but I love I love the big beards as well. So if I get get my hands on a big beard one one day, I might trade this one. But no, I don't think I would sell it. So yeah, so I've been hacked. Give it back. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. And um, mate, and, and and lastly, I guess any I guess closing comments from your side. Um, and uh, you know, how can sort of people reach out and find you and connect with you? Yeah. Okay. So my personal um, account is block culture b l o k culture and dot eth. So that's my wallet as well. Uh, Limited Inc., which is the company we're building and trying to, you know, work with a range of creators to keep disrupting and doing things that maybe haven't been done with NFTs before. You know, we're not coming at it in in the way that I think a lot of brands have for that whole just digital side. We're really trying to carve out an original kind of idea and just do wacky stuff. You know, we're at the end of the day, we're kind of an experimental studio. We're just trying to do things that haven't been done before and get creative. So yeah, limitedinc ltd inc underscore official uh, or the website www.limitedinc limited .inc. Um, passing thoughts or final thoughts? Yeah, I don't know. Thanks for having me. And you know, this is one of the most exciting spaces I can do. That exist today and i'm just really happy to be here and doing what we're doing so look forward to seeing you all in the twitter community <laughs> awesome um mate uh daryl th thanks for uh your time today man this is this is fun and Likewise. Uh, look forward to uh yeah look forward to seeing uh, how you sort of progress in the space with uh, limited ink and um, best of luck with that um, thank you so much but uh yeah and uh guys uh, i think that wraps up our show for this week um so uh yeah that's a wrap and uh, we'll come back again next week bye now thank you <laughs>